Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. This week, we discuss staff dynamics and how both assistants and head coaches can lead well and bring the best out in each other, even when it comes to disagreeing and giving feedback. Let's get started. Welcome back to Hardwood Hustle. Sam, TJ, and Lisa are here with you. And today, guys, we're going to talk about coaching staff dynamics and coaching leadership. You know, and here, here's a jump off thought, which is like in football, and I know we have some football coaches that listen to us, but in football, you might have three layers of coaching. Example, you're a wide receiver. You have a wide receiver coach. You have an offensive coordinator, and then you have the head coach. And you have three different personalities coaching you, three different ways of relating. And then on a basketball staff, you know, you both of you guys at the college level, there's just many layers. You might have a guard coach. You might have an offensive coordinator and then the head coach. So the jump-off thought question would be, how do you make sure that the coaching staff is on the same page with the vision of where we're trying to take the team and the players? Maybe a, a part B of that question is what happens when like a posit, like an assistant coach, let's just call it, doesn't see eye to eye with the head coach and maybe the importance of like, like aligning there, because if not, then you might have them undercutting the head coach. If Graham's in the office and saying, yeah, Coach Rosine, he was – don't don't listen to him. He, he was talking crazy out there today, you know. So, TJ, start us off. What, what are your thoughts on coaching staff dynamics? Well, I think they're really important, and we've been lucky to have some amazing, you know, assistant coaches on um, the Hardwood Hustle. I mean, recently I, I think of Bob Starkey and Dean Lockwood at LSU, Michigan State, you know, two first-class guys do an amazing job who gave us ideas and feedback to being a great assistant. I work with what I think is the best assistant coach in the country and Graham Maxwell, and so, you know, I think two things here. One, the first thing that comes to mind is I think it's important for assistant coaches to have some ownership. You know what I mean? I I think you want to elevate them to a place where the player isn't using them. The player believes they actually have capital in your program and they have the ability to make decisions and they have the ability. Like, I think that I want to empower my assistant coaches to feel that way. So that they're not always coming at the assistant with an angle like, well, hey, can I get you on my side to do it, you know, or whatever it might be. And I think assistant coaches that are empowered um, also feel that from the head coach. And and the flip side of that is, you know, from the head coach, I think you want assistant coaches that you fully believe are on the same page as you pulling in the same direction as you. You know, um, if I have to doubt once a week where Graham is and where his loyalties lie and whether he's on the same page. Now, when I say loyalties, that doesn't mean full agreement. I don't expect I don't think a good head coach expects his assistants to agree with everything that he or she says. I don't think that's true either. But I also think there's the right way to do that. You know, if Graham disagrees with me and a player is talking to him, I wouldn't expect Graham to say, yeah, I disagree with coach. I would expect Graham to come to me and say, hey, listen, you know, I I don't know if I totally agree with this, you know, and I think it's affecting so-and-so, a different player, whatever. So the line of communication 
they, this go a lot of different ways. It goes, you know, head coach to assistant, head coach to player, player to assistant, player to head coach. There's so many lines of communication. When those lines get crossed, you get in trouble. And so I think keeping your lines of communication clean and open is a great way to solve a lot of those problems and to make sure that everybody's pulling in the same direction. Yeah, let, let's come back to that in a minute. Lisa, you've been, you've been on three different staffs at the Division One level, and so you've worked with three different head coaches and different assistant coach. A lot of personalities, a lot of different personalities. Yeah, what are your initial thoughts on this? Yeah, I think um, there's a couple of different ways it happens. Um, I think sometimes you set the vision and, you know, we talk about it. What are your values and communicating them? And then there's other head coaches who just are who they are. And it's like the staff is expected to pick up on what they want and what and how they want it. And I and I don't think that's wrong to do it that way. Um, but you rely heavily on a staff that can figure it out, who has you know, emotional intelligence to um, be self-aware and also understand what, you know, how the head coach is reacting to certain things. Okay. Don't do that next time. All right. Want to do more of this next time. Um, and then I think too, where there's, there's different levels of leadership on your staff. You might have a veteran assistant coach and you can rely on them very heavily. And I think that person has to understand how they fill in the gaps within the staff and, making sure that everybody's on and telling the head coach, Hey, so-and-so on the staff doesn't feel valued or so-and-so on the staff doesn't know their role or needs more clarity. And so who's in your ear as a head coach on your staff, like who's got your back more than everybody else, because they just know you better than else. And I better than anybody else. And I think that's where having a veteran staff like really can propel you forward because they just know what to pick up on a new staff. You got a lot of things to figure out as a head coach and each person on the staff. And, um, I just, I just think one thing that we've, we've just touched on a little bit that hits home to me is when a player comes in and they have questions about something. And especially there's one thing if there's blaming the coach right away, like, well, the head coach does this to me and it's not helping or, but it's another thing just to be like, Hey, I need help. And I've, I need help with our head coach. And I've seen people who've answered that question by saying, well, they're not going to change. So you need to change as a player. And how are you going to work with somebody that, you know, maybe it's hard to take their coaching. And then I've you know also seen the strategy of, Hey, yeah, this head coach is hard to play for sometimes. And kind of, I don't know, giving credence to like, this is your experience. Like, I'm not going to say you're not having this experience. It's hard, but how can I help you work through their style of coaching? Yeah. You know, like I, th I think that there can be a, it's not changing. So figure it out or the, um, Hey, like sometimes the head coach is going to get it wrong, but like that we're humans, we're figuring it out and like, let's help you. Or maybe we, let's go have a conversation with the head coach together and like really working together instead of gaslighting a player and saying, well, it's all on you. Take some ownership, figure it out. Um, I think there's just a lot of dynamics here and how the staff works well and different personalities, but like, I don't think that to be loyal means that the head coach is always right all the time. I think TJ's referenced that already. Well, yeah, I, I think your framing of that's really important. So, for example, let me just say um, what I think a good assistant, how they would respond to this, you know, like just staying on, well, the head coach is hard, you know. So if a player comes to Graham and says, man, I just don't like coach. He's so hard, right? 
I don't think Graham's response is going to be like, I totally understand that, man. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't think that, right? But at the same time, I don't, I don't think the right response is, no, he's not. Look, if he's hard, he's hard. So Graham's response could be like, hey, man, I totally agree with you. He's really hard. But it also has helped me in these ways right here. And I've had to learn how he best communicates. But at the heart of it, he's a really good person. He really does love you deeply and whatever. But I know it doesn't always show through. I had to learn that myself. And so that means I agreed with the player, but I also let the player know, like, there's some things we need to, you know, you can work on because if you can see what I see in coach, you're really going to like him. That's a a great way to respond versus just stopping with, yeah, I know he's a hard ass, right? Like, well, that means what? I just, I'm sympathizing. Now misery loves company. Now we can just complain together. Not the right direction, right? And then to lie about it, not the right direction. Like, what are you talking about? He's so kind. He's so that, no, he's hard, you know? And so I I think that that framing those conversations um, are really, really important. Yeah, and to build, build on that, I think really good assistant coaches have high EQ. So in those situations, they know how to let the player feel safe, while remaining loyal to the staff or to the program or to the mission. And again, we've said this before, those two things can be true. You can be in a safe place and and have open, um, unfiltered conversation without throwing anybody under the bus. But it takes honesty. It takes authenticity. It takes real relationships and EQ. You know, TJ and Lee, so like, TJ, I I wrote down three things you said I thought were good, which is like, a good head coach empowers assistants that there's an alignment and get on the same page. Number two. And then three, I like the line of loyalty doesn't mean agreement. And I think that's really good. So I would say another thing is assistant coaches have to constantly check their ego, meaning I disagree with the head coach. Okay, but is it about me or is it about the program? So can I go into the office and and share that disagreement? And sometimes the head coach may be like, you know what, I see your point. Hey, let's let's roll with what you just said. Sometimes the head coach may be like, no, this is how we're going to do it. And then at that moment, the assistant coach has to eat the ego and they have to back pocket it, put it in their journal and say, when I'm a head coach one day, I'll do it this way. At that point, you can. When, when you're the head coach, you get to make that decision. Also, what happens is they move, you know, three years later, 12 months later, they move 18 inches over, and then they make a decision they thought was right, and then they call their former boss. They're like, oh, man, this thing's a lot harder than I realized. Like, I would, I see why you did it that way. Um, and so I, I just – let me let – me, culminate the point i'm saying you got to be aware of your ego as an assistant coach know how to disagree well know how to hold your ground well while also walking out of that office and being aligned because ultimately it's got to fall under the head coach's vision and if at some point you just like morally or philosophically like can't get across can't get past your own feelings you need to you need to ride it out and then gonna go get on a different staff and I, I think when you say this agree and disagree, like I feel like it's almost like something we should do is just like agree and disagree. Like if Graham's got something that he feels differently about me than than I do, like what's it really about? I mean, if it's really about the team, 
you're not trying to figure out who's right or who's wrong. You're trying to figure out the best solution for the team, you know, and I think that's a, you know, dropping our egos is really important there. And, and this is hard sometimes. I mean, I think about this, all of these things, you know, translate and happen in marriages. Like, you know, I'm loyal to Aaron. I love her to the end. We don't always agree, but I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to use the statement. Well, we just agree to disagree very much. That never ends well. You know what I mean? Like, where can we meet in the middle? Where can we find a common ground that's going to be best for our family? No different in coaching. Yeah, Graham feels this way. He feels strongly. I feel pretty strongly about this. Whatever. Like, it, there's there's no benefit in, in throwing a fence up, right? Like, it's just how do we get to the place where we help the team the most? And sometimes, it, you know, that's not the easiest thing to do. But if somebody feels really passionate about something, I'm the head coach, I really want to listen. I want to seek to understand and figure out where I might be wrong in this scenario. Not because um, I'm a nice guy. I'm doing it because I want to help the team win and I want to do what's best for the team. Hey, that statement, agree to disagree, like that works well if you're like in a debate with a stranger and like you just don't come to common ground. But I think your point is like in a team or a family – like you can't agree to disagree, can you? Like there has to be some con- like that. Uh, I'm thinking about this in real time. I, I, I don't ever say that statement. I don't. I don't really like it. And I agree. I, I don't know if you're saying this, TJ. If you're saying I, we're going to have to just agree to disagree. What the what the crap does that mean? Like we didn't we didn't get anywhere. We're still in disagreement. Therefore, we got a problem. Yeah, you know. Yeah, she wants to get the family on a budget. You think you should spend freely and you just agree to disagree. What did you solve, right? Like you don't have a budget. You have a, a way to, to manage your money. You still got a problem. Yeah. Yeah, Lisa, do you say that a lot? Right. <laughs> Anytime somebody says that, I'm like, no, which actually, Sam, I think it's usually you. Um, uh, but I think because I think we have, we have some good healthy debates, but. Uh, and we have a schedule to keep too. But I think that, um, cause I love circling back to these things. I think that the biggest thing is like, if you believe, you know, Hey, I'm doing my best and you're doing your best. And we're, we're in the situation where we're trying to figure some things out. If like you can operate with that, um, foundation, then you can continue to buy into the commitment and everything that you're trying to move forward. I think like you reference it, Sam, anytime, um, you don't believe in the overall vision or you don't believe that you can, or, you know, in the college coach seat, if I can't believe that I'm going to recruit wholeheartedly recruit kids to come play for this program and that they're going to have a great experience and that this is where they should be. If my heart's not in it, then, you know, it's time to find a different home because that's what I want most of all as a coach is to believe in what I'm doing and who I'm doing it with and moving in that direction. And I've been fortunate to coach at places where I had that. And, um, and I think that's the biggest thing. So then when you have a disagreement, you know, like maybe you don't solve it on day one. And yeah, you walk out of the office being like, man, I had a different idea and I don't really love what we're going to do here, but you buy into it. And sometimes the head coach teaches you a lesson and you learn, oh, they do they knew what they were doing and they knew more than me. Or sometimes the head coach comes back and says, okay, now we know how to do it better. But like you do that together and you work through it together and you can circle back and say, okay, next time, would we do it again? And you just learn from each other. Like it's not a one time, you know, here's what here's what happened and it happens in a vacuum. Like, no, you're on a journey together, hopefully, whether it's the season or multiple seasons. 
it's just giving that benefit of the doubt and saying, hey, we're all trying to move this thing forward. And I think as a head coach, sometimes we can be like, well, it's their vision. Like it should be our vision. Like that's how bought in we should be. Um, and if we're not there trying to get there, I think that's the that's the big thing and see if you can. And it might take t- it might take three months. It might take three years. Like that's that's good. As long as you can like be, you know, live out your values and you're with people that you can you know, invite other people in, in, into it because you believe in it that much. Yeah. And, and when I was listening to you talk, Lisa, and back to TJ, the, the, when you use the marriage analogy, it's like, it does, it goes back to trust. When you trust somebody, if Lisa, you and I get in a disagreement, we trust that we have each other's best interests. Therefore we can disagree in an aggressive way sometimes. And that like, it's not going to, we're not going to get in a disagreement that's going to ruin the friendship. And same with me and Sarah, my wife, like I, we can disagree. We can be loyal and disagree and know that we need to work through that. And so teaching teams and players to do that, I think is key. Like truth, truth without trust, it doesn't work really well. And then on the head coach side, a head coach who can't be challenged, like show me a head coach who can't be challenged and I'll show you an insecure coach. Like as a head coach, you've got to, you've got to be open. Sometimes you hold true to your ideas, right? Because you know, you, it's what you believe. But then if you, if you don't allow assistance to disagree with you, here's what's happening. And y'all tell me if y'all agree with this. If, if they're not disagreeing with you, you better believe they're in the assistant coach office talking about you. Like they're talking about you, right? T, like if, if T right now, he's got it. Like how many assistants are in that office 20 feet down the hall right now? T, you got like eight in there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe around five. Okay. Five. Yeah. They all have to like three of them share a desk, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways. But if they're, if they're not in your office, like, you know, talking about it, then, you know, and you said, I don't know if you said this on this podcast or another one, like you have to work on not being intimidating where they do feel open to be able to disagree with you. Right. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, uh, and that's a lot of times that's a, uh, it, it, it's a two way street, you know, like I can feel a certain way about how we should handle problems, but if both of us don't feel that way, it's a problem. You know, and so I, I, I really do think this comes down to like relationship, communication, all those little buzzwords. But there, you know, it, we talk about this all the time. Everybody loves X's and O's, but this is typically where problems arise on staffs and teams. And this is why teams typically underachieve is because they don't figure out this. And we're all we are in the relationship business. You know, it's different. You know, if you go play tennis and you go play golf and you go right, you can live in your own silo. We chose a sport where there's a lot of people and a lot of personalities. And so we can even say all these things and and preach them. But until we actually live them out, more importantly, until the entire group lives them out, you're going to have a lot of problems. And this is why I think a lot of people stay away from this stuff is because it it takes work. It's so hard. It's an investment, you know, to actually live the stuff out that we're talking about. I'm sure a lot of people listen and say, yeah, yeah, I need to do that. Yeah, we need to do that. But they have to be willing to do the work and then they've got to find other people that are willing to do the work too, 
to be able to get to that place. And I think you can accomplish just about anything you want when both people agree to work that way. But when you have people that are, are divisive and you have a head coach that, like you talked about, won't listen because their ego is so big, or you have an assistant coach that thinks they know better all the time, whatever, you're not going to get to where you want to get as a staff. So you, you need to fix yourselves individually before you can probably even get to a place of being able to work with the staff. And, and so I think that's important too. Like, have you done the work to get to that place? Do you, do you think that players – okay, say there's like a little bit of tension on staff. Do you think players pick up on – like do they pick up on that and that has a negative effect potentially on the team or vice versa? They they sense a real big unity and chemistry amongst the staff and that kind of sets a model for the team on how they will show up every day. Do you think it has a strong – a strong effect on the team and the players. They, they know, they know whether you get along or don't get along. They know how much I value Graham because he's allowed to do certain things, right? Like, so I can hide it and all I want and I can say, Hey, me and Graham are co-head coaches here and we do this thing together and did it. But the minute he's not allowed to make any decisions and he's not allowed to, they know you can't, that, that you can't hide that stuff and you don't even need to talk about it when it's done. Right. They are, they already know that he's got the power to do this and the power to do that. And he's speaking in front of the team and, you know, we, we have conversations in front of them, behind them, healthy, whatever you, they know you just can't hide that from players. So I think everything affects the pH of the water. Everything affects the team and absolutely the relationships between coaching staffs affect the team. Yeah, Lisa, what, what are your final thoughts on just coaching staff dynamics? And, you know, you've had a pretty diverse experience in this um, from the assistant coach role. So, yeah, what are some what are your final thoughts on just like advice to coaches maybe? Yeah, I think we said it before is is, is there healthy communication? Do people feel valued and enrolled in your vision? Like, is it their vision too? Um, and I a hundred percent agree that like, it's what we model. And so as a staff, like, I think the strongest staffs have the strongest, uh, or sorry, the strongest teams have the strongest staffs. I think we asked that at a clinic a while ago, if a coach could coach, you could coach your coaching staff or you could coach your players as a head coach, which one would you do? Would you choose to coach your players or would you choose to coach your staff? And I think we don't think enough of coaching and empowering our staff. And if we did that, if we, if we, if we mentored our coaches and we thought about them as much as, as again, even if you're an assistant coach, mentoring and helping each other, you're, you're just going to spread yourself and spread the vision of the program that much more. If it's just one voice and one coach trying to reach 15 players, like how much better is it when you have, three, four, five coaches on the same page, um, getting better and better and better at what they do because they're one, they get to do something and they get to coach. And then they're, again, they're seeing different dynamics, different personalities, different people are going to, um, connect differently. So I just think that we don't necessarily think about that enough of if I empower my staff, I can mult as a head coach, I can multiply myself and also strengthen, you know, their gifts and the, what the other staff members are bringing to the table. And again, your players are going to see that and they're going to see that your love and mentorship for them is also part of what you're trying to do for them as a player. And so just, uh, 
I think feels the message that you're sending really when you're trying to build a transformational program. No, that's really good, Lisa. And do you think like going to UTJ, do you think it's more, I guess I have found, I'm, uh, this is a statement question, but leading coaching staff members can be more challenging than leading the players. And I don't know if that's because it's more, a little bit more peer to peer, but I, I guess, so it's a two part thing. Do you, do you agree or find that to be true? Uh, and then also just your final thoughts on these coaching staff dynamics. Yeah, I mean, I think the older we get, the more we've been through and the more we believe in what we do. And so therefore, feedback is harder to receive, you know. Um, But I also think that that can vary on the spectrum based on who the person is, you know, like, what is your desire? What is your growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, you know? And so I got somebody like Graham who you know, he's been through a lot. He's done a lot. He's led a lot, but he also has a huge growth mindset. And so I know that he wants me to make him better. And so, yeah, it's, it's not that hard. It's really not that difficult to have those conversations. But, you know, if you have somebody that believes in what they've done, they've done it that way their entire life. And, you know, but, but I also, you know, last year I had a, um, uh, a guy named Dan Lamp. He's, he's a high school boys coach, but he was a, a girls high school coach for 30 years and a good coach. And he came in and, you know, he's, you know, got a growth mindset and he was just as easy, even though he was an older guy to work with because of the mindset. So I don't know if age is always or experience is always, I think it goes a lot to the mindset. Like does the head coach have a growth mindset and a team first mindset, then they're a problem solver and they want to figure it out. You're going to get a lot of places. Does the assistant coach have a growth mindset and a team mindset? You're going to get a lot of places. But I think it is true sometimes that, you know, people get older and believe in what they're doing and they think this is the only way to do it or the right way to do it. And it's more stubborn and any feedback you give to them can be something that um, is perceived as like, I didn't do good enough. And that can be a problem. Yeah, Lisa, TJ, this is an important conversation. I hope it's one that uh, coaches found really valuable uh, and helps them grow. And again, it's about trust. It's about, I know these are buzzwords, but like you said earlier, TJ, relationships and trust and communication and doing it a lot and doing it consistently. And hey, look, if you listen to our podcast, like us, follow us. That really helps us. Um, If you're watching on YouTube, Email Lisa if you want the new merch and new gear. Um, yeah, email Lisa. She'll be glad to communicate with you on that. That is Lisa. Email Lisa with all your questions. Lisa, can we give out your cell phone number? If you have anything related to anything, like if it's a life question, if you just need a friend, reach out to Lisa. If you, <laughs> if you have any concerns, yeah. No, but hey. All those that do listen to this show, we appreciate you and we uh, yeah, we, we appreciate every text, every tweet, every time you comment or encourage us. It does mean a lot. I think I speak for Lisa and TJ. I know it means a lot to me. So continue to hit us up and, um, and let us know what you think. That's TJ and that's Lisa and I'm Sam and we're the Harwood Hustle. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of The Harwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. If you're interested in one of our coaching clinics, diving into one of our coaching tracks, or simply joining our PGC coaching community, go to pgccoaching.com to find the support you've been looking for in all aspects of your coaching. From The Harwood Hustle team, thanks again. We can't wait to be with you again next week.